Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Welcome back to Doc Talks, where I, Doc Talk, started this off as a separate recording, just to let you know that we had some sound issues at the beginning of this, but we took all that out. I was joined by Mike from NerdWorks, one of the new projects that I'm working with, and he built a character so that we could do this together. All the echoes at the beginning were cut out, so enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, welcome back. That's how you get. That's how you get a compliment from Phoenix. You that... make it to where she has to complete the song quote, which is positive. Ta-da. Ta-da. Hey, buddy. Hi. I liked it when there were two of you because it was just more to love. But this is better. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Are we talking about the weight loss? Well, that's also <laughs> been great. Congratulations, by the way. It's just seventy pounds. It's. I mean, you know. It's. It's just a tween. It's just, it's just there. Hey, welcome back. We're going to talk about leveling up in PC Link, which is why I invited my friend Michael here. Hello. We're going to talk about leveling up PCs, and um, we're going to do something about PC linking. So a lot of campaigns run into this thing where, why is my character even going to follow you? Why are we together? Right. So a lot of that is going to, I'm just going to preface this. It's a lot of player interaction. Your player mm-hmm. has to yes and another player. Nobody wants to play in a group where one guy's like, well, no, no, no. I, I'm i not going to trust that you're right. I'm going to say that, well, you're this, I'm that. Like, Mike, what did you roll up for this? Uh, so I actually rolled up a half-elf paladin. A paladin. Because I didn't know the last time that I made a paladin. So here we are. Perfect. So let's say, you know, most groups with a paladin, let's say we had a rogue in our group. It'd be like, I'm not going to follow the criminal guy because I'm paladin and lawful and blah, 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 blah. Or the rogue would be uncomfortable about lawman being here, blah, 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 blah. You have to give and take. We'll get there. Right now, Mike and I, his paladin, my bard, we've traveled together and we've earned enough XP or our DM has, is using milestone and said, we have to level up. First thing we got to do is, <laughs> first thing we have to do is we have to get our hit points. So it depends on how the DM wants us to do this. We're on this podcast going to do rules as written as close as we possibly can. But I'm going to let you know that rules as written is a guideline. So first off, I was telling Mike about this earlier. We could talk about the DM lazy way of doing it, which is a win-win way of doing it, where you just let your players get the maximum amount of hit points that they can have that round. So where is that? Well, we look at our screen here hit dice on our sheet and we notice that this says 1d8 so i know as a bard that i'm 1d8 if i forget that i can go to the player's handbook 53 probably have to do that anyways but we'll just play around here so i know that i've got a i've got a d8 so in the lazy way i'm gonna just eight and i'm done mike what's your hit dice uh so looking at the player's handbook for a paladin I have one D10 per paladin level. So I have a D10 for my hit dice. If we're doing lazy, he's just going to get 10. Call it a day. Yep. Woo. <laughs> Yay. I did it. 
He did it. So that's the lazy way. The cool part about the lazy way is when you're at level 12 and you think somebody's hit points are too low or too high, simple math. What are they playing? Times level times 12. What's their constitution score? Times 12. Add that together. If it doesn't equal what they have, something was wrong. There's a bunch of ways to do this. So the way the book says is that you roll that dice. So today, Mike and I are doing our characters are going to make a roll for that. But I also want to talk that there's a million ways to do these rolls. Mike, I don't know if you played with me long enough. Do you remember ever getting a character up when I was DMing and you would roll your hit dice? I would roll your hit dice? Yes, I do. And, and it is a rule that I have I have used several times since. So what happens in this? Oh, hello, uh, G Wrath. Hey, what's I, up, G Wrath? I like G, yeah. That's why I love G Wrath because that's what it sounds like. So mm-hmm. in that, Mike would roll a D10 for his paladin, and me and the DM I would roll a D10. I would cover up my D10. He doesn't need to see what I rolled. At that point, in our rule, Mike would decide: Is he going to take his roll or is he going to take my roll? And this is where it's kind of fun because it's a little bit of a gamble. Because if he rolls less than, I think, six is the average roll for you, right? It's, That's what it's got listed. It's yeah. in the player's handbook, which is another way to yeah. level, by the way. But if he Just rolls... Just taking the average. Yep. If he rolls like a five or a four and he's like, ooh, I'm less than average. Am I going to roll, quote unquote, roll the dice, pun intended? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could take my roll, but he doesn't know what it is. But once he makes that decision, he can't go back. So if I rolled a one, he's getting one. It is a gamble, but it's an informed gamble because you kind of have at least some statistical analysis here where it's, okay, <laughs> the average is, you, you can't take the average on 10 or a D8. You can, so they just round up. So 5.5, 6, right? If I roll a 3, well, there's not a whole lot less that, or there's not a whole lot that would be less versus what it could be. And even if it is, if, if, I'm go, if I go from 3 to 1, I can deal with that. If I go from three to ten or three to nine, that's fantastic. So it, it's a, it's an inf- <laughs> there there is a little bit of a math that goes with it and uh, game theory, but at the same time, you can do whatever works for you, and that's why the lazy way is usually the best one. It it is fun though. I I, I will admit it. it is a lot of fun, and you can have a lot of fun with it. That's the cool part about that. The other thing is is rolling the dice is the natural way. That's what the book says. Another way to do that, as we mentioned already, is in there next to your hit dice, it says average. So as a D8, mine's five. As a D8, his is is six. The way the rules are written is either I can roll this die or I could take that average. But I have to make a decision before I roll this die. Correct. Another way to do it, if you still want them to roll their die and have some fun, is have them roll their hit dice. Like I have a D8. And I know that five is the average. If I roll the D8 and I have a four as a DM, I let them take the five. Anything less than a five, just take the, the average one. But if you roll higher, then you get extra for it, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said, there's a million ways. There's not a right or wrong way. There is a lazy way that really isn't lazy. I like the max hit points just because it's easy to, hey, what level are you again? Seems low. Believe it or not, that happens to me more than not. As the whoever it is has the is too low of hit points. It's never like, well, how did you get a hundred? It's always like, why are you at sixty? You're not a wizard, right? In <laughs> in uh, in fifteen sessions, when I let you all level up for the first time, uh, that'll get that'll give me enough opportunity to figure out exactly how <laughs> I'm going to do it for you all. So Mike um, and I are yeah. gonna are gonna do our rolls here, and I'm gonna date my sheet. Yep. So here we go. I rolled a three. I rolled a one. <laughs> 
So I got we a three, are. and I'm going to update my hit points here. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that no matter how you do this, whatever you're going to use, you also add your constitution modifier. Mm-hmm. Mine's a one. I'm going to add three to my max, which is 12, plus the one is 13. I am now at 13 hit points as a level two boy. Uh, I will take my one, add my two hit point, or my two for my constitution modifier, so I will add another three. And I am a 15 HP paladin. Which cracks me up because as a bard, I have two less than you right now. Yep. And that's the fun of the game. Uh, to be honest, 5e is designed where, I mean, it's really hard for somebody to die. It's not impossible, but it's really hard mm-hmm. for characters to die. It doesn't matter what your HP is, honestly, if you're playing a game where everybody agreed that the characters aren't going to die, which is fine. It's one way of playing. But for majority of people, there's always a chance. I, as a DM, am very invested in your character. As, as Mike will know, I will help. We will get these backgrounds. We will get deep into them. I will make you immerse part of my universe. You making decisions and rolling dice is not going to change my mind if you're going to die or not. <laughs> as Phoenix says, it's, it's, it's no fun if there's no risk of getting moited. Moited. So, I like that. Yeah, 100%. But we need to finish going. So, Oh, I'm, yeah. This I'm, is just the start. Yeah, that was it. That was just hit points. I'm going to go to um, my book. I'm going to open up to 53 in the player's handbook, and I'm going to look at Bard. I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. with you. You could read through everything every time you go up. It's not bad. It actually just gets you refreshing everything. Mm-hmm. But if you're one of those people that need to do it kind of quick because you waited to the last second to level up and you're about to start in like three minutes, on 53, I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to see this big chart on the top. Every single class has this. It says from 1 to 20, this is what you get. The cool part as a bard is I don't have to do any math for my spells, so we'll get there in a second. But I get two things right off the bat looking at this. So first thing, my proficiency doesn't change. Cool. At level two, I get Jack of All Trades and Song of Rest. We're going to add those to the sheet here. And so the cool part is Jack of All Trades is basically... The best skill in the game? <laughs> it's kind of cheating. I can add half my proficiency to anything that I'm not proficient with when I roll. So that means I'm not proficient in acrobatics. I have a dexterity of two. I have a proficiency of two, which means that my acrobatics is actually a three when I roll it, etc. I could fill these out. Bards are cool, everybody. They are. They really are. Uh, I'm going to put my song of rest on here, which is during any short rest, anybody who expends hit dice, my bard is going to play a nice little tune during that. It's going to be very mellow and calming, and they're going to get an extra 1d6. Now, it's not 1d6 per hit dice. It's just 1d6 overall. The cool part about this is I can expend my hit dice as much as I want to, and I can roll them one at a time before I decide if I'm going to use another one. Now I can roll that hit dice, roll that d6, and then decide. Also, while we're updating the sheet, we're going to move this hit dice total up to two. It's very easy in D&D 5e. It is your level. It's not hard. It's very simple. Mike, what do you get for Paladin now that I'm all caught up here oh boy so i made a mistake i i picked a paladin because i thought you were gonna have to do a lot of work i know (laughs) um so i get a couple of things uh let's start with fighting style because that's the simple one uh so starting at level two i get to pick a i get to adopt a fighting style specialty and choose one of the following options uh if i blah 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 if i get to be a fighter or something else where i get another fighting style great i get to do it again but here's the main point This is where I'm going to decide what kind of aesthetic as well as mechanic I'm going to be using as a paladin. So 
I can be slightly more armored with defense. I can do more damage if I'm using one weapon, uh, if I'm using a big weapon. Then we're going to go into spellcasting, because paladins are what are considered a half-caster. They don't get the super awesome start with the spells at the same at first level and increase the same way that a bard or a cleric or anybody else does. Um, so they, they progress with that a little bit slower. But a paladin is a divine caster. So what that means is, Doc, how many spells did you get to take as a bard? So I get six spells. Right. And those are the ones that you know when you know them all the time, right? And, and originally I got, when I started, I only got four. So divine casters are weird. Well, maybe not weird. Complicated, but not. Um, there's a little bit more work that you have to do on a day-to-day -day basis, depending on the campaign and the DM. But in the book, the way that it works is, as a second-level paladin, I have two first-level spell slots. And I have access to every first-level paladin spell. And I get to pick a certain amount per day that I have prepared. The amount that I get to pick is equal to my level. Sorry, half my level plus my Charisma modifier. So right now, I have a Charisma of 3. I am a level 2 Paladin. Half my level is 1. So I will prepare 4 spells every day, and those will be the spells I can cast throughout the day. We'll get to all that. It's, it's complicated. Ah, I'll put stuff on a sheet. Here's the main point. I'm a Paladin. The amount of times that I'm ever going to use those spells is very, very limited because of the last ability I get at level 2 called Divine Smite. Now, Divine Smite is the reason to be a Paladin as far as I'm concerned. Everything else is really cool window dressing until you get to higher level. Um, but at second level, when I hit a creature with a weapon attack, I can expend a spell slot to do some radiant damage to the target. With that, uh, the extra damage is 2d8 for a first level spell slot. And then as it go, as I go up in levels and I get higher spell slots available to me, I'll add a d8 for each level I use. Uh, also, if it's a fiend or undead, because those are bad, um, I do an extra 1d8 because paladin, and that's how it works. So my burning bird friend was talking about her paladin that she's going to be playing soon, and she was asking, mm -hmm. is this particular to your oath or all paladins? Here's the thing. The book says <laughs> that it is to all paladins. But then if you go and you do enough diving, there is a type of paladin in the Dungeons Master's Guide that is called an Oathbreaker, which is supposed to be a fallen paladin, stuff like that. D&D um, 5e, one of my favorite things that they did is there's not, a, there's not an alignment requirement to be classes anymore. If the book says, fiends, undead, all paladins. But as is, I think, the motto for what you're doing here, the podcast, the stream itself, rule zero, DM's right. If you have a question, ask your DM. If you want to do cool stuff, the things that are not undead, because you're less worried about undead, cool, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like the... The written rule, but then there's the rule as intended, and the rule as intended, as far as I'm concerned, is what would be cool. And talk to your DM. Yeah, it, but the rules as written, to answer mm -hmm. the question on that, is yeah. everybody gets the smite, 
the Oop. extra D8 against whatever. And the Oathbreaker Paladin in DMG is a variant, which when you're talking yes. about rules is written, you don't use variants. It's just an extra thing they add. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, your DM can and can't use that kind of stuff depending on what they want to limit themselves doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so before we get to spells, so you get all yeah, that. That's cool. I did. And you got your sheet all updated now. Yep. All right. Let's go to spells. So I'm going to do mine first because I know it's easier. <laughs> yep. And sure again, is. I have the power of the voice. I'm going to flip all the way to my spells, my spell page. And I can still see the stuff that I got to see. So it's fine. Again, remember, I chose this because of that voice thing. So it's important to me. Um, and I want to RP these. So the first thing I get as a bard is I can switch out one spell that I want to. I am not going to switch them all out. I, I, any of them. I had a good time playing. We went on adventures. It worked out really well with my RP. So here we are. But I, I, need to, I, I get one more spell. And again, remember the rule is I can take any spell within the le- up to the spell level that I have. And I am not moving at level two. I don't get a second level at this point. Uh, but I know in a couple of our battles, we had a hard time hitting some people because level one. That's just what happened. So now I got this great idea. I want to find something that only has a verbal component. And I want it to be like I whisper And as I whisper, this magical stripper dust, I'm sorry, glitter comes out of my mouth. And then it will magically land on our enemies. They get a save for mechanics, all the other stuff. I'm going to take fairy fire. Nothing makes me happier than the fact that you picked my favorite, like probably less than level three spell in the game. It's really cool. So much. But again, I'm, I have an idea what my character wants to be like. I know how I want to RP them. I'm going to actually pick the spells that way. As a min-maxer, I'm going to go, oh, what can I do the most amount of damage? I might pick Fairy Fire because we that gives advantage when they miss the spells. This is a thing. And I'm a bard, so I'm supporting my paladin buddy and my rogue buddy in our party. The best part is I'm done. Bard, Yeah, I picked my spell and I'm done. So why don't we update yeah. your spells now, Mike? <laughs> Yeah, so about that. Now, part of the reason that this is as difficult is because you did most of your work at level one. I am literally starting from scratch. So I have two spell level or two first level spell slots that are available to me. And I have four spells that I can prepare a day. That means I can do the same spell two times. I can diversify, spread them out. I have four different spells that I'm allowed to choose from to actually cast. The problem is the list that I am going to be going off of has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 different spells at level 1. When I get to a higher level, the same issue will arise as I will be adding an entire new echelon of spells, but I will still only be able to prepare a certain amount per day. It'll go up bit by bit, but it expands quickly. Um, So... Like you said, basing it off of what we were planning for our character. Um, I have this idea of this big protection fighter in my head. So I want to think about things that will protect people, things that will make sure people are taken care of. One of the things that I want to do, and it's because it's a spell that I don't see a lot of people cast, even though it's super cool, 
say my say there was a point where my bard friend over here was i mean they were surrounded well there's only a couple of ways that i can get rid of some of those threats or i can at least make some of those threats a little less dangerous to them one of the ways is a spell called compelled duel so that's a spell that i want to have all the time because i love it because basically this paladin gets to say ha you me let's go they have to make a save and if they fail to save they can't hurt anything unless it's at disadvantage except for me um but maybe i don't want that another day maybe i know we're gonna go into a place that has a whole lot of magic and there's traps everywhere they're magical traps well great i'll take the tech magic that day it's it's flexible and you get to change what you're going to do on a day-by-day -day basis i recommend for anybody that's making a character that prepares spells if you don't want to do a ton of work have a couple that you know are the go-to and then rotate the rest every once in a while depending on what you think you're going to be looking at there's a lot more research into doing a divine caster unfortunately don't even get me started with druids holy cow the amount of options and every uh, uh. um but technically i'm done I have two first level spell slots. I can prepare four spells a day and I decide what those are literally every morning when we wake up. Phoenix said, it's a magic pluridon, Charlie. I mean, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our characters leveled up, but mm -hmm. I mean, in our first adventure, all we did was help defend a town. We were put yeah. together in it's, in, in need mm -hmm. so the second half of this is we're going to talk about why do our characters stay together sure. so again let, I'm saying there's a rogue in the party we're going to include him but let's just talk about Mike and I Mike what why would our characters stay together I'm a bard I've got this whisper power all I'm trying to do is get through the world without really agitating people sure but you're on a mission well, I'll tell you I am on a mission. Um, part of that mission is, again, I'm I'm my paladin. I've named I've named her Liliana. She is very big on defending the weak. She is very big on taking care of those who couldn't take care of themselves. And part of that is when this town that she was going through on on route to a bigger mission on a bigger pilgrimage that she's going through. Unfortunately, there there was there was a threat that needed to be protected against. So I wrote Liliana rose to action. Something that was really satisfying to see was your bard also doing the same. Now, whether it's out of reluctance or whether it was out of self-preservation or whatever it was, I saw you defending people that couldn't defend themselves. So of course, I have a motivation to keep somebody with me to travel with somebody that would have good intent. So that's at least the starting motivation. And we could add into, I'm trying to keep this a secret because I don't want people to know about this power. Mm -hmm. And we've traveled and, and we got back to this town after we defeated everything. And, and the paladin was like, yeah, hey, you're all free now. And, and we'll do your little holy thing for the people that did die. And, and he doesn't say anything. We have a connection now. 
And he gives me purpose because he talks to me about this. Cool. I'm all for that. I'm going to yes and Mike and his ideas. He's going to yes and me. We're not going to yes, but uh, I never understood that one. But my yes and could be yes and also is what I'm going to say. Because mm -hmm. I like his idea or if we think of something else. We decide that the rogue isn't such a bad guy. He might be a criminal. You might be the lawman. But like he's got a heart of gold. He's got, and and we're going to have a talk. In game, in our game especially, you'll see this because we, the players, are talking right now about why we would even stay together. And it's come up. And we even talked about, like, well, if we can't decide, then we'll have to go our separate ways. When you're telling a story together, that's not the result you want. It is not unless you want your character to leave. It is absolutely never the right answer at the end. But it's fun to be like, well, maybe we'll have to go our separate ways. And then like, well, maybe we do need this guy or girl or them. And and we have this conversation. We as character players are going to talk about this offline. Why are we staying together? Like, let's get this together. But in game, our characters don't know what the players talk about. So we got to play yeah. that out to make sure it's there and document it and make it part of the dogma of that. You, if you're not yes anding and you don't have a reason to stay together, you might be a toxic player and not even meaning to be. I want you to be careful on that. It is okay to ask why would we even be together? It's a valid question from player to player. It's fine to put it together in the story through role play, but don't make somebody feel like they're not welcome at the table because, oh, my character has a problem with your character kind of thing. And it's okay to have conflict and still travel together. You could still be using the other person in your mind or, or befriending the person because you want to keep, you know, keep your, what is it? Keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Do you and have something to you add said, to that? Yeah, uh, you, you, you touched on it, conflict. Conflict is not a bad thing in story. In fact, it is, it is a key element. Um, it is okay, and this is also part of the, you know, your character and your players are two separate entities. You can absolutely make a character that is just based off you, but keep in mind that it's a separate entity. So if a character and a player, if a player sees another player's actions and it's, mm, I don't vibe with that, make it a, you can make it a source of conflict because the other part of if you ask the question, why are we even together? Like, why are we hanging out? And you don't want a yes and, you want a yeah but, or you want to no. The other part that could be toxic is if you don't say anything, that's just as bad. Because now there's no opportunity to resolve anything, both in-game and out. So whenever you're talking about conflict, there is the story-driving element, and then there is the needs to be resolved element. And wherever you are on that barometer is totally okay. Just make sure that that's kept in mind at the table and being respectful of each other whenever you possibly can. But you're all building the story together. If the story needs to change a little bit, if you're thinking of one story and somebody else is thinking of another, that's also okay. You're just on different chapters. Make sure that you're in the same book, though. And Phoenix said it the best. You know, if you're doing that, you're not contributing. So make sure that you're contributing. Yeah. yeah. It's simple. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, go play Warhammer. There's lots, there's lots of games if you want to just tactics move the things around the board. And that's not, the, that's not a dig against Warhammer. That game's fun. But we're doing something a little bit different here. And, and it's fine to find a group that only does the XP beat up the monsters mm -hmm. or find something that's more into your thing. It's fine. Yep, you talk about stuff. Phoenix was talking about how to resolve conflict. And I was going to bring that up. Sometimes players have conflicts and then they move that over to their characters. I would a hundred percent tell you not to do that. Mm -hmm. Do not force your care. Don't project your feelings onto your characters and don't let your characters project their feelings onto you, which a lot of role players, like when you really get deep into it, you can do that. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. Don't create a problem with somebody because of something they decided to do in game. If you have an issue, talk to them outside the game. If your DM is asking you things like, are you sure you would know something about that? What the DM saying is, I don't think you would unless you, unless I miss something in your 40 page backstory that you sent me, I don't think you do. And, and, just remember, they're not trying to limit you. They're trying to make the table even so everybody has fun. N nobody, like I, I said last time in, in, on Doc's talk, when you have one guy who's like the Superman, nobody else is having fun because their characters aren't participating in the story. They don't need you there. You are officially um, the last, or not the last you say, but in, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, it, the movie is the same whether Indiana Jones is in it or not. Kind of, kind of theory. Like, it, it, the stuff's going to happen. The whole movie's going to happen. And we don't want you to do that. We want to be, everybody's involved. Everybody plays a part. No DM wants to watch one guy. We don't mind people taking the reins. I've invited Mike to my games. He's invited me to his games because we know we can move a story. If the story is stalled, we'll just invite each other bring a character in help me move this along a little bit there's nothing wrong with that but you don't want to become the focus you don't want to no. be the reason everybody mm -hmm. is the reason everybody has a story to tell and make sure everybody's story is being heard you talked about uh indiana jones the the movie is still the movie without indiana jones in it the counterpoint <laughs> star wars is a very very vast and it's a vast pardon it empire and docs docs being silly because there was a conversation earlier today <laughs> that was very fun. um here's the thing unless it's agreed upon don't all try and be luke skywalker because if you try and make yourself the key element of the story in a collaborative storytelling game one of two things is going to happen either you're going to steamroll everybody whether you mean to or not, you're going to steamroll everybody. Or the other part is everybody is going to get really, really annoyed because, well, why, like you said, why are we even traveling with you? Is it just to further your story? Because if that's the case, they might not be up for that. So it is collaboration, the entire thing. I, whenever they talk about what is D&D, the first thing that I explain it as is that it is a collaborative storytelling, and then I fill in all the rest of the blanks that you can say with d and I love so it. When you talk about yeah, that's how it works. I love it. It's like we're friends or something. It's like we know each other. It's not like Mike's ever been to my house playing D&D &D before. <laughs>
every couple of levels evaluate why your PCs are still together. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a reason, I'm not saying to do that to find out if your characters are going to split ways unless you're trying to. I'm telling you to do that so that you still have a passion. You know, it's a group of people that are going through. You have to have a reason to want the other person to live as well. And, and and that's character to character, not person to person. I want Mike to live because he's my friend, not because we're traveling around or anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. In fact, he's moved away from me more than anybody else in my life has. And I moved, caused me I moved a, closer again. Little like, anxiety. You did. And I'm very happy. Like in like in, in in relative movements. Uh, the other part of that where you're talking about like, man, I don't like doc doc. You're a DM. I'm I'm a player in your campaign, and I'm struggling. I'm a yes ander. I'm I want to find a reason for my character to be involved with this group that I'm currently playing with. But the connection and the reasoning just isn't there for me for whatever reason. Before I do anything, I should talk to you. Because whether you have a Dungeons Master Guide will call and, and all of the actual campaign books, they'll call them plot hooks. But... Whether you've got one of those in the waiting, whether you've got... I know, it's... I, I'm sorry. I brought up something that's right next to you. I apologize. Um, that was really rude of me. Um, that's all right. It's just... It just means, even though I'm going to knock over several books here, because mine is right here and, and available, it just means that I'm a better DM than you. That's, that's how that works, right? First of all, that's not true, because having access to the books means nothing. <sighs> is, this, is this how we're ending the... Uh, just get into a book holding competition. No, no, please don't, because the rest of them are on my shelf, and I don't think I can lift all the D and D books. No, absolutely, you shouldn't do that. I do hi, have my Joyce, two e book out though. Does that work? Oh, hi, Joyce. Welcome to the stream. We're almost done. Um, but yeah, it, it the DM is if you have a DM that is a very very structured world, and everything is going to a T. Some people will call that railroading. Some people call it prepare. I whatever. The point is, is if you don't have a reason to be there as a character and your DM knows that there will be one, they can tell you if the DM doesn't know that there will be one, maybe they agree. And it's okay. Maybe we're looking into a different character for you then, or they could have a whole wide open story and they can absolutely tie something in. I had a player that came to me after about 15 sessions of a campaign that was just distraught not knowing what they wanted to do or be there anymore. And in my head, I'm thinking about the six pages of material that I have written from their backstory that's going to come into effect in literally the next two hours. Give it some time, give it some patience, and if you're, before you get to the end of your rope, just ask. Worst case scenario, make another character. We'll figure it out. It's storytelling. It's funny because I talk about the different players at the table. And a lot of people worry when DMs become players because, to be fair, a lot of them can't be players really well. Mm-hmm. We know one. He's actually told mm-hmm. both of us he can't do it. Uh, to his credit, he he figured it out that he can't. He did. <laughs> the The thing is, is like I know I want to invite Mike to my table because I know that him and I are similar that just because I'm a DM at my table, I'm not a DM at your table. And I can't tell you how many times that we have both said, no, no, you're a DM at my table. You're just undercover DM. Mm -hmm. 
and you know shoot me I messages need, i need i need you to co co-manage for me yeah. you're assistant to the assistant manager. <laughs> that's kind of that thing i'm the assistant manager no you're not you're the assistant yeah. to the manager right but we've done that um i've done the gods must be crazy with tom before and a couple other ways but we're gonna end it on that i just want you guys to remember that this game is about working together being together playing a game together writing a story together being epic together it doesn't change anything keep your tables simple love one another keep it nerdy and live your dreams you want to say later i I was gonna say do i get to do it do it later nice This has been a NerdWorks production.